When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Connor McDavid has been on fire. The Edmonton Oilers captain has been scoring at a torrid rate for more than a month, averaging almost two points a game in the month of March alone, and has vaulted into the National Hockey League scoring lead. But how far should that scoring prowess, among his other qualities as a leader, a teammate, and an ultra-skilled hockey player, take him when it comes to voting for the NHL's most valuable player award, the Hart Trophy? For while McDavid is clearly a points machine and can dazzle audiences around the league while dashing past the opposition, his Oilers will miss the playoffs this season. I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Hockey Hall of Fame writer Jim Matheson about McDavid's chances of winning the heart. We also talk about the Oilers' place in the standings and the prospects of late April's NHL draft lottery. We talk about the state of the Oilers' defense and how blue liner Andre Sekera seems a shadow of his former self this season, nearly a year after a devastating knee injury. And we touch on the future of goalie Laurent Brossois' future with the organization. The 25-year-old started the campaign as the Oilers' backup, only to lose the job once the team traded for Al Montoya in early January in the wake of Brossois' shaky play filling in for injured starter Cam Talbot. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Thursday, March 29th, 2018. Connor McDavid clearly has separated himself from the pack in many different ways. I mean, he's been scoring at a toward pace over these last, you know, at least the last 10 to 20 games, and he's firmly in the scoring lead, whereas even just a week ago he was behind Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, as the season winds down to a conclusion and the orders are out of the playoffs, this is something for us to watch, obviously. But also the Hart Trophy is, you know, 
were talking about, well, who is the most valuable player in the league? You know, Connor McDavid clearly is the best player on the Oilers and clearly the best player in the NHL, I would say. But is he really the most valuable player to his team uh, in terms of being the NHL MVP, at least how the awarding is worded, you know, the player judged to be most valuable to his team? What do you think? Well, it does not say in the uh, in the um, rules that you you have to make the playoffs along with being the most valuable player to your team. It just says most valuable player to his team, and it, and perennially that just goes to the guy who wins the scoring championship. Uh, I mean, all those years Gretzky won it; uh, he won the scoring title, and he was you know, he won the Hart Trophy as well. So. Um, but it's that's taken on a you know another uh, life in that your your team has to make the playoffs apart from Mario Lemieux in 1987 88 when the Penguins missed by one point and I know there were fewer teams <coughs> back then uh, and but Lemieux won the scoring title over Gretzky by uh, 19 points and the Penguins came very close and he won the Hart Trophy even though the Penguins didn't make the playoffs the orders are well out of the playoffs. So, you know, I'm kind of old school, and I think your team should have to make the playoffs before you win the most valuable player in the league. But if, if, you know, McDavid goes on an awful run again and and wins the scoring title by 15 points, uh, you know, I might have to, you know, take another look at it. He'll be in my top five when I vote, along with the other 170-odd people are going to be voting on the, on the awards uh, will he be first I'm not sure uh, you know one thing in, in his stead is he's got more um, even strength points by oh, just about 20 over Nathan McKinnon to 80 even strength points uh, and if he was you know the other power play was not you know now with Columbus is the two worst power plays in the league he would you know he would undoubtedly have more points than his 102 so um, there's that to take into consideration but you know I, I think he's he's had one hand behind his back to a degree this year because they, you know it's not like he's played with the same line all year they had dry there for a while now they've got uh, Brian Nugent Hopkins there and they've been trying searching for people for him to play with and he's still got 102 points so that's a plus uh, but there's lots of candidates this year, and which is great for uh, for the NHL and the media people. Really, it's it's not so much fun when it's a slam dunk because who's going to win the heart. This year, you've got Nathan McKinnon, and as we mentioned in Colorado, if the Avalanche makes makes the playoffs, you've got Taylor Hall in New Jersey. If the Devils make the playoffs, and both those teams were not good at all last year, and they've been very very good this this season. Uh, you've got Anje Kopitar in, in uh, Los Angeles, who, you know, will probably be in the top three for the Selkie as best two-way forward if he doesn't uh, win a hard trophy. And you've got Brad Marchand uh, in Boston. A lot of guys don't like the way he plays, but uh, he's got 80 points in, I think, 61 games. So he's been very valuable to his team. So it's a toss-up. He'll be in my, my top five on my ballot. I'm just not sure where he's going to be. You know what? Obviously, we can gush about McDavid almost every single day, every single time we record a podcast or every single time we write just because of what he is able to do in that that game. But it's, you know, and obviously we don't have a rash of 50 goal scorers in the league every year like like the league used to have once upon a time. 
you know, particularly back in the in the Gretzky days. But it, it's I was a bit surprised, a little bit, I guess, that it's been it had been twenty seven years since the last Oilers player had scored forty goals in the season, which was Peter Klima in nineteen ninety one. Um, you know, mind boggling, but at the same time, you know, it's considering the Oilers teams since that point and considering how you know scoring has gone in the NHL which is to say it's it's, it's less than it was 30 years ago um are, are you surprised that it's it had been that long since someone had scored 40 goals no because the Oilers haven't had very good teams uh it's harder to score certainly you know from 2004 when they when you know, they change the rules and stuff. And, you know, the teams just check better. The goaltenders are better and stuff like that. It's hard to score 40 goals even, never mind 50. Uh, I can remember Peter Klima. I think he got the 40th goal in the last game of the season, too, that year uh, to reach 40. And I remember him saying, don't count on this every year. So, because, you know, the pressure of being a 40-goal scorer wasn't Peter's uh, uh, Peter's idea. And uh, he did he did get it once, but it was the only time he got the 40. And, you know, even 100 points until Connor McDavid got 100 last year. We had to go back to Doug Waite many, many years ago, and he got 104. And there hasn't even been that many Oilers get 100 points, never mind 40 goals. So it's, it has something to do with the caliber of team. And when you've missed the playoffs 11 years out of the last 12, you're not going to have a lot of guys uh, with 40 goals or 100 points. And uh, McDavid has got the daily double because he's got both. But there's not a lot of other guys helping him out to, to reach the other 100 or 40 goals so yeah it is, it is good and, you know nowadays you know Vetchkin looks like he you know will probably win the the uh, Maurice Richard thing again he's got he's got 45 um, which you know is still really good in today's today's game not 50 but 45 uh, if he gets another couple that's 47 and Connor you know with five games left maybe Connor gets another three or four goals and you know, and he'll be you know forty three, forty four himself, which would be uh, excellent as well. Another thing we're watching in Edmonton is, you know, where the Oilers will finish in the standings. Currently, I think after games last night, the uh, New York Rangers slipped ahead of the Oilers in the overall standings. I believe the Oilers are the, you know, ninth worst team. They're in what does that make them? Twenty second place, twenty third yeah, place yeah, in the NHL. 20, yeah, yeah, twenty ninth worst team. So they get the, <clears throat> you know, I guess the ninth best odds ninth worst team ninth best odds and those ninth best odds are five percent i think not great by any stretch but last year was one of those years where new jersey uh philadelphia and dallas were not anywhere near the worst teams in the league and they won the three lotteries and and new jersey which uh i believe finished uh with the worst record in the eastern conference last year um you know, we'll manage to win the lottery and get uh, Nico Heischer. So it's possible to do. You know, and I think there'd be a huge outcry around the league if the Oilers happen to win the lottery again after getting McDavid uh, in 2015. I think they think the fix is in. So it's almost like they came up with three lotteries now to make sure the Oilers don't 
they'll win uh, the lottery again, to be honest. I mean, but, I know the but, lottery is different this year than it was three years ago when the Oilers won it. Uh, you yep. know, the, just the setup. But, you know, the, well, right the now. And there's, you know, there's more teams, you know, you know, every team that misses the playoffs got some sort of shot. Even if it's down to like 1% or even less than that, you've still got a shot at it. Not a very good shot, but um, it was have more heavily weighted to being poor uh, in 2015 than it is now. So they got to, you know, I guess you, the only way to look at it is if the orders don't win the lottery and get uh, Rasmus Dahlin, the outstanding Swedish defenseman who's, who's the best player in the draft, then if they happen to win the second or third lottery draw, then they'd move considerably up as well. And there's some really good uh, wingers of which the orders need uh, in that top half dozen as well, including uh, Matthew Kachuk's brother Brady. He's playing college hockey now. And... Uh, uh, Russian Sevnikov and uh, a Czech player uh, Zadina. So there's a couple of players there if they can move up, and if they don't, uh, they pick where they are. Yeah, no, you know, just th- you know, thinking back to the 2015 draft. I mean, when the Orders won the lottery, they had an 11.5 percent chance of winning that one. You know, and this year, right now, if they were finishing, you know, in the p- position they are now, they'd have a five percent chance of winning the lottery. But I mean, yeah. not as good as three years ago, but still, it was an amazing thing. I guess we can yeah. still shake our heads and marvel and, at And what happens happened. in the lottery is, the team that wins, you know, they kick them out of the second lottery, so your percentage of winning goes up a little bit. You know, your, your percentage of odds go up. So if the orders are five now, that'll be, I don't know, it's 5.3, 5.4, whatever it is, the second lottery, and you're, you know, for the most part, your odds go up in, in subsequent uh, lottery draws. So they got to, you know, a shot at the second or third pick, and uh, if they get one of those, that would be uh, very beneficial to the Oilers because they need wingers and they need a uh, right shot defenseman if there happen to be one of those uh, available. You know, speaking of defensemen, uh, you know we've been, you know, the Oilers have been plagued with injuries. Well, you know, the results of injuries this year. I mean, Oscar Kleffbaum was, you know, shut down. Last week, finally, uh, with shoulder surgery, you know, maybe a week after we find out that he's been playing basically hurt all year, if not for years before that, with a shoulder problem. Uh, But also, you know, going back to last year's playoffs, uh, Andre Sakura, who was injured, you know, on a hit by Ryan Getzlaff in the playoffs against the Ducks, and he obviously missed a lot of time, came back, you know, halfway through the season, but he hasn't been the same player and it just begs the question, should the Oilers have even played in this year? I mean, I, I get it. Perhaps, you know, you're, there's going to be a big drop-off, not having the likes of Sekera or maybe even Clefbaum in the lineup and having to use, you know, other players from Bakersfield. But t- tell me about Andre Sekera and what's going on. Well, he looks really slow right now, and he's struggling to keep up with the pace of play. And I would, I would hope that that's just because he had the knee surgery and all the rehab in the world and all the exercise and stuff can't make up for the fact that he's trying to catch a league that was already half half over by the time he caught up uh, and he's struggling to keep up to the pace of play I don't know, I, I would just shut him down for the rest of the year As I think Vancouver's got 6 or 7 players out uh, tonight uh, through injury and such and they've got lots of 
minor leaguers playing against the Oilers. So I, you know, if they didn't play Secker, they could play Johan Ovechkin um, and call up a defenseman from the minors. I, I just think that he's really struggling, and and he's going to need a, another whole summer of exercising and such like that to get back. And I'm sure they've got their fingers crossed. Uh, major knee surgery. Uh, you can come back from it, but it has been known to slow a player to the point that he's just not as quick as he used to be. And, and Andre Secker is not 22 years old anymore. He's, he's close, you know, he's 30. So um, I'm sure they've got their fingers crossed that he can come back next year and be the player he was last year when he was a solid top four defenseman who could play, uh, you know, well, some on the power play in the point and a calm one pass and get the puck out of their end. Uh, so far, um, it's painful to watch him play because he's struggling uh, to make plays and to keep up. I mean, considering uh, I mean, Ethan Bear is up with the Oilers right now. You know, he was a you know call up at the beginning of March, and obviously he's uh, obviously turned a few heads and uh, light has lit up a few eyes in terms of what he's capable of doing. Is there anybody else down in Bakersfield the Oilers? Should have, or maybe even are still considering bringing up for a couple of games on defense. Well, they've got—I mean, they've, they've called up Keegan Lowe and Dylan Simpson this year, and haven't played them because they've had injury situations. And, and as it turned out, they didn't play either player. They can call up one of those two veteran uh, players who played in the American League a good length of time. The problem in Bakersfield is their team's on a bit of a run now, and they're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, and they played very well the last month and to take away one of their defensemen uh, would certainly hurt their chances uh, of making the playoffs but there's defensemen down there I, I, I know we, we haven't seen Eric Griba since he got sent down I haven't seen Ryan Stanton play a game those are two veteran defensemen um, you know I presume you could call one of those ones up but it makes more sense to call a younger player up and maybe put him a game or two in the last five to see what he can do. And in Ethan Bear's case, he looks good offensively. He does not look very good defensively uh, in terms of breaking up a cycle and stuff like that. That's some stuff that he's going to have to work on uh, to be a regular NHL defenseman. And, you know, it's easier to teach an offensive defenseman to play better defense than it is to take a shutdown defenseman and, and tell him, okay, now you're going to be a 40 to 50 point player. So Bear's strength is offense, but uh, he's got some stuff to work on, certainly defensively uh, to be an NHL defenseman after only 34 games uh, in the minors uh, and I think he's played 14 or 15 games now for the Oilers, so you know, he hasn't even played 50 pro games, and to expect him to be good uh, every night is, is a stretch, and offensively with the pucks in his stick, he's fine defensively when the puck's in his end of the ice and like against Columbus the other night where there's lots of crisscrossing, lots of quick passing, lots of players coming out of the corners, he had trouble. You know, it's just still on the Bakersfield call-up uh, topic, obviously uh, Laurent Bossois was called up because of an injury to Al Montoya. I can't help but wonder about the future of him with the organization. Brossois, I don't think is. he's got it. Well, Montoya's got another year in his contract, uh, so that would, to me, that would mean he's going to be the backup next season. And, and Brossois, yeah, and that's who I'm. That's who I'm. Whether they sorry. want to sign him, you know, yeah. they want to sign Brossois, uh for another year. Um, they still got 
his rights. He's not an unrestricted free agent or anything. They can, you know, if they don't make an offer to him and he becomes an unrestricted free agent, I would think that they would offer him a contract for one year just to keep his rights. And then, uh, but if they, you know, if they send him down uh, after training camp, somebody else can claim him because he will play long enough uh, as a pro and he could get claimed. But I don't think he's got long term with the orders now. If they, they wouldn't have gone out and got Montoya if they felt that Brissois could be a backup backup uh, goaltender for the long term as far as I can see and I think Brissois got sent back to Bakersfield uh, this morning uh, so uh, it mean that Montoya who's missed the last couple of games uh, should be ready to back up tonight just thinking about Brissois too though I mean obviously you know in the recent orders past the orders have given up on a goaltender who they've developed over time and Arguably, well, it was even a longer period of time that they, Oilers took to uh, draft and develop Devin Dubnik, and of course we all know where he is now uh, with the Minnesota Wild. Um, when it comes to development of players, particularly goaltenders, and I guess even defensemen as well, in Brassois' case, are they, would they, that be giving up on him too soon? I mean, Al Montoya is a career backup goalie. Cam Talbot, I believe, only has, what, another year or two on his contract at best? Next year is his last year, yeah. And then they got to resign him. So, I mean, I, you know, in, in terms of the goalie pipeline for the Oilers, I mean, it's not very deep. So, I don't know. I guess I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's not very deep, but there's always goalies out there. You know, that's the thing. Not starting goalies, but backup goalies. So, in, in, in Brissois' case... I think he's got NHL tools, and he's still young enough to be an NHL goaltender, uh, a backup anyway. Whether that's here, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, you know, like I said, they wouldn't. They traded for Montoya, I think, for more of a veteran presence, and 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 to get a goaltender who could maybe play game after game after game for two, three weeks in case Talbot got hurt, um, and. And in Brassois's case, he had some good games, but some not good games too. And I think they just looked at his body of work and said, he's not ready to be even a backup NHL goalie right now. He needs more work. And so they sent him back to Bakersfield. And I think they'll re-sign him um, myself just to keep his rights. Uh, and then they can see what, see what happens from there. Yeah, I just can't help but you know, remember the case when Dubnik was you know, summarily you know, traded away for Matt Hendricks, and uh, he obviously. Yeah, but he, he was a starting goalie. Yeah, he, he, he proved uh, he was enough. a starting goalie, and then he, and they made a, I think, a, a rash, quick deal before maybe they, you know, in, obviously in hindsight they shouldn't have done it. Um, after you know investing all that time in you know a first round draft choice in 2004, but he was a starting goalie and. In terms of Bissois, he hasn't proven he's, uh, he's even a backup, regular backup yet. So the jury's more out on, on, uh, on Bissois than it was on Dubnik. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to her show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.